0: So, we're going to look at Matthew, the book of Matthew primarily, but we're going to be jumping around a lot, Matthew chapter 5, 26, chapter 6, so the, Sister Hannah, I know, is going to be doing her best to follow along on the screen, but there may be a little uh, lag time, so if you have your Bible, because we're jumping all over, because we're going to look at a topic, because that's what this series is about, tough questions, and there was a question that came in that I thought was was very, very good and i think something that is ne- very necessary because the bible seemingly is contradictory on it seemingly it's not a contradiction but it can it can sometimes you hear different things preached not in from apostolic pulpits necessarily but just in christianity at large if you see preachers on tv or popular preachers they're A lot of different things being preached on this topic. And so we're going to look at a few things, a few verses, and see what the Bible actually has to say about poverty or your relationship with money. Because that is a big topic. And somebody asked the question, what does the Bible say about poverty? And I thought that was a good thing because it is something that, Least the politicians talk about a lot the war on poverty, ending poverty. Is that possible? Can it happen? Is it wrong to be poor? Is it wrong to be rich? Those are good questions. So I thought that was a very good, deep, nuanced question. So, whoever submitted that, I think you're really thinking, and I think you're thinking on the right track because we need to know because that is such a huge part of our life. The amount of money that you have as an adult will shape your life. It changes you. I mean, that's a lot of differences in the world are from people that have and people that have not. So, this was a very good question. So, we're going to start with Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3. We're going to start there and see what the Bible has to say. It's in the Beatitudes, and it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I wanted to start there because I want to say the Bible does not elevate poverty. It does not say blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's not an elevation of poverty. The Bible does not want anybody to live where their basic needs are not met. Or they're living constantly stressed about money, always, all the time, not worried, not knowing where your next meal is coming from. The Bible doesn't want anybody to live there. That it does not elevate that. It does not, it does not teach that you have to be poor in order to be saved but it, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, in order to be used by God, in order to be useful to God. But it does say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, that, if, if, that wasn't, if that in spirit wasn't there, if that prepositional phrase, to go back to English class, wasn't there, that would change the whole meaning of the text. But this is poor in spirit. So what is the Bible talking about when it says poor in spirit? That's, that's what we're going to look at, and that's where we're going to go today. So, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 11, this is the story of the woman with the alabaster box. How many have ever heard of that story? There's a song, a pretty famous song about the alabaster box. And so, this woman comes in, she is there, Jesus is at a dinner. She breaks the box on, on the floor and then pours the oil out, ruins the box, and pours the oil out. ...out on Jesus' feet, anoints his feet. So this was uh, a very expensive item that she destroyed. She didn't just like pour a little bit out and save the rest. She destroyed it. It was a very emotional, a very sacrificial moment. She destroyed something very valuable and poured it out, wasted it on Jesus' feet. And the disciples, his disciples, began to talk about her and say how foolish and stupid that was... Because at least she could have sold it and gave the money to the poor. At least she could have. She wasted this. So she wasted all of this money. And Jesus, when he picked up that that's what they were talking about, which he knew that that's what they were talking about, he rebuked them. And he said, don't don't talk about her. Because she's done me a good service. And then he says this, for you have the poor always with you. But me, you have not always. So this only relevant to our discussion is to this frames the worldview right here that there will always be poverty in a broken world. There will always be poverty in a broken world, not in your life. If you give your life to God, but in a world of sin, there will always be poverty. You will never. So I. If you hear a politician talking about how poverty is going to be ended, you can know that they cannot do it. They may have good intentions, but it will not work. It just won't. They will always be present in any society. There will be people that live in poverty. That's not a good thing. That's not God's creation. That's not God's design. That is the creation and that is the design of sin. And until the next life, there will be no one poor in heaven. There will be no one needing anything in heaven. Until the next life, when God reigns supreme in every heart and every life, there will be poverty. So this Utopian idea of an end on poverty in this life is a pipe dream and it will never happen. And you can pretty much, if somebody promises you in a political sense, you know that they are just manipulating because they know that it cannot be done. It cannot be done. Now, this is not about not helping people. He just said in this context, she did what was right because this is a special moment. I'm only here for a little bit and there will always be somebody to help. So we need to help people, but there will always be more people to help. You help one person, there's another one that needs help because it is a broken system of the heart. So we're, we're going to get there, though. But I just wanted to show you that. Too. We're crafting the worldview of what the Bible thinks about money in relationship to your life because this is a big thing. And it's scary to think about, but some of you are so close to adulthood and you're so close to jobs and out on your own and having to manage your finances and manage your money. It's closer than you think. It's closer than you think. The time so you some of you have been in the youth group five years. You're gonna be paying your own bills in the next five years. I mean, your life is gonna change so quick. It didn't change much from twelve to seventeen, but from twelve from seventeen to twenty-three, there's gonna be drastic changes in your life quickly. You kinda you kind of stay the same as teenager and then boom. So many things happen in your life. So you've got to know what the Bible says because we believe that this Bible gives us power to live our life. So I was glad somebody asked this question because I think it's going to be a very, I think it's going to help somebody. Luke chapter 18, verse 25 gives us the opposite of Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3. Just like God does not elevate poverty, He does not elevate poverty. Wealth either This is the story of the rich young ruler Who had The Bible said he had abided by all of the commandments At least he said that he had abided by all the commandments We don't know if that's true But he thought he had He said I have abided by all of these commandments my whole life And Jesus said one thing you lack Well what is it He said sell all that you have Give it to the poor So Jesus is not about Not against helping the poor Give it to the poor and come follow me now, so that is a very tough thing to ask. That's a very strong thing to ask. So the man turns away and he leaves sad because he had many possessions. He leaves knowing that he couldn't do it because he had so much wealth that he, he, was, so, he was not able to give it up. He was not able to turn it in. And so Jesus says this, for it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye. How many in here So. Anybody sew? Scott, do you sew? You Scott sews. I saw him starting to raise his hand. All right, so anyone else? Yeah, so you haven't even seen a needle before. The needle's eye, it's, it's very small. And there was a thought for a while, I've heard it before, that the needle's eye was actually like a gate to a city and that a camel could go through, but that's not what the language says. This is a, an impossibility. For a camel to go through a needle's eye. So there is, so this verse is tough. This is what I said. The, there is a seeming contradiction because it's like the Bible hates rich people, or that you can't have anything, or that you have to give up everything in order to serve the Lord, that you have to be poor or you can't be saved. So this is where this is where this conflict comes in. To grip. This is This is where this problem is at in the Bible. And this is why it's a good question, because do you have to be poor in order to enter the kingdom of God? Do you have to have nothing? Do you have to sell everything that you have? Jesus tells a parable about the pearl of great price. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a man that sells all that he has and buys this one pearl. So does it mean you literally have to liquidate your house Never own a car, just live in a potato sack, sell everything, every bit of clothing that you have, give it to the poor and go follow Jesus. Does that sound practical to anybody? Does that ring true? It doesn't to me. It doesn't to me. So, And we're going to see some more verses that, that talk about it. So this is, we have to make sense of these things because the Bible does not elevate poverty. But also, very clearly, it does not elevate wealth. You do not have to be wealthy to inherit the kingdom of God. You do not have to be poor to inherit the kingdom of God. But you must be poor in spirit. So a couple things before we go on, and I'm going to prove my point later, but a couple things about this verse that I want you to understand is that this was a specific place and time, and there was a specific, when it says follow me, Jesus literally meant, Follow me and hang out with my disciples. Literally walk around with me. This was not a figurative follow or a spiritual follow like we follow the Lord today. But this was a literally follow me. And he was giving this man who thought that he had everything. He was showing him where the last hang up in his heart was. And that was on his wealth. That was on his wealth that was on every that was on his materialism. And here's what I'm going to what I'm going to argue is that this richness of this man was not about the size of his bank account, but it was about the size of his bank account in his heart. So if blessed are the poor in spirit, it's not. It's impossible for a rich man who has something in the bank, but it's impossible for a rich man who is it is enlarged in his heart, his riches, to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what this is talking about. It's, it's dealing at where this man really was at, and it was at a place in his heart, in his life. So the Apostle Paul addresses this issue, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth richly all things to enjoy. So this does not, the Apostle Paul does not say that if you are rich, you will not be able to be saved, but it's, Those that are rich in this world, so you can have some riches in this world, but the charge is that you be not high-minded and that you don't put trust in uncertain things, in things that are going to fade away and are going to corrupt. That are going to fade away and that are going to corrupt. So this is so these two verses, when you take them in context together, it does not. The Bible does not elevate poverty. You do not have to be poor to be saved, but it does not elevate wealth either. And wealth it is not, is not a symbol of God's blessing on your life. It's not because there are plenty of people that do not love the Lord, that do not live righteous lives, that are very wealthy. Is not a symbol, Is not a sign of God's blessing. And you, some preachers, not apostolic preachers, but TV preachers, they preach prosperity, that if you serve the Lord, that he will heap financial blessings upon you. And that simply is not true because God does not elevate wealth. In fact, he warns, he cautions you against it doesn't mean that if you have money, you can't go to heaven, but that if you trust in that money, it's going to be an impossible barrier for you to trust God. Just like this rich young ruler trusted in his money, he had done everything right in his his mind, and Jesus found the one place that he was not willing to give up because he trusted in it, because he would not walk away from it. So we're getting to this place where God's saying, not about the size of the, your bank account. It's not about how much money you have. But what I'm wanting to know is what is really valuable to you in your heart. What is really valuable to you in your heart? And then Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21. This, is, this was the theme this year for the Sheets for Christ offering. It's a very classic verse of scripture. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven. So this kind of bypasses the issue of money altogether. It's saying it's not about what you have on earth. It is about what you have in heaven. It's about what kind of things are in your heart and in your life. So there's this middle place. And now we're gonna, we're gonna transition a little bit into practical principles. Because if the Bible does not elevate poverty and is not saying that you have to have nothing in order to be saved, but it doesn't elevate wealth, it warns against wealth. What is our, what is our correct approach going forward as we try as you try to shape a career? as you try to shape, find the will of God for your life, as you try to establish what God wants you to do and who God wants you to be. I'm not going to tell you that it is the will of God for all of you to be millionaires because that's just probably not true. I'm not going to tell you that if you serve the Lord, wealth is just going to fall down upon you and you're going to have all of this money. That's not true. And I'm also not going to tell you that God's going to call all of you to be monks that live in a castle and, and just wear a sackcloth all the time and never come out of your room and eat stale bread and and crusty water. You know what I mean? So it's not it's 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 somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere We're going to get some practical principles about what God is calling you to do in relationship to your money and to your life. All right? So you ready? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse number 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse number 8. It establishes the principle of working to provide for yourself working to provide for yourself. So this is not about, I'm just going to let God control the amount of money in my bank account and I'm not going to get a job and I'm just going to trust the Lord completely. I'm just going to like float out there and I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to have any kind of effort. But this very much, Paul, the Apostle Paul, directly contradicts this and says, if any man provide not for his own and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel so you should be providing for yourself and gentlemen I'm just the way that God has designed it this burden falls on you heavier because you are the head of your household you are the provider of your household you have to provide you do not have to be wealthy but you have to work to provide God will not feed your family just with miracles every week he expects you to work he expects you to get a job. He expects you to provide. He does. And young ladies, that's why it's important who you marry. But in this day and age, it is perfectly fine for a young lady to get a job. It's Sometimes it's ladies get married a little later in life. It's perfectly fine to provide for yourself, to work. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. So there's a, there, The principle here is that you are responsible to provide for yourself. You're responsible for that. It's It's something that God will put on you. So a job is a good thing to have. And statistics show that people that keep a job, that don't quit, that don't walk out, they live above poverty. A job is a cure to poverty. It's amazing. It's like if you... Follow the Bible, it cures poverty. Because if you are responsible, you understand your individual responsibility to provide for your home and to provide for your life. Now, I'm telling you, some of you are getting close to being out there on your own, and the responsibility rests upon you to provide for yourself. To provide for yourself. That is your responsibility. So that's first principle. Romans chapter 12 reinforces this when it talks about the, the principles of Christian living. The Bible says that a Christian is not slothful in business. Romans chapter 12, verse number 11. Not slothful in business. That means whatever you, your hand finds to do, the book of Ecclesiastes says, and that's In a little bit different context, but the principle still applies that hard work is what Christians should be. Not slothful in business. Young people, if you get a job at McDonald's, you need to be the best McDonald's employee that that restaurant has ever seen because you represent Christ and you are a Christian and you are not slothful in your business. You are not there to text and get a paycheck. You are there to work, to do whatever they ask you to do and to get a paycheck. And if you have that kind of attitude, you will go far. You may not be wealthy but you will not you will live above the poverty line. I'm telling you that's the Bible's principle of work cures poverty. The Lord provides for those who are willing to follow his principles and a Christian is not slothful in business, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. Passionate in spirit. I bring energy And I bring excellence to what I do, serving the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. So a practical principle. Number one, you're responsible to provide for yourself. Number two, not slothful when you get a job. You need to be the best employee that they have. And it will bless your life. You apply this, because I'm telling you, I now hire people and I'm the boss of people and there are so many people that I think are good people when I hire them and they literally do not work. And I would there is, I would promote them. I would give them raises if they would just show up and do the job. They don't even have to do it great. My number 1 employee. My number 1 employee makes so many mistakes and does so many things wrong. But she works really hard. She is what she is. What this is. She is not slothful. She is on time. She shows up when she says she's going to be there. And she does it with all her heart. And she makes a lot of mistakes. I have to go behind and correct. But I appreciate her because she is fervent in spirit. I'm telling you, you will endear yourself to whichever boss that you have if you do it and you show up on time and you work hard it will bless your life. But if you if you have a entitlement mentality that they owe me this paycheck, even if I text, even if I'm rude to customers, even if I don't show up on time, good luck. Try violating the scripture and then watching God bless your life. It's not going to happen. Or if you say I'm not going to provide for myself, I'm not going to provide, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to I'm just going to let life happen. I'm just going to whatever got to engage with life in the way that God wants you to and then God can bless your life. Then God can put blessings and honor on you. Now it won't you won't necessarily be wealthy but you'll hit that place where God needs you to be with your money. And I'm going to prove that to you. Luke chapter 3 verse number 14 people are asking Jesus, "What must I do?" to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be involved in the kingdom? And the soldiers likewise demanded of him saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. Now the, the soldiers in that day were like police officers then. And so I think it's just interesting what Jesus says to the police officers. Don't do violence. Don't. Don't, don't accuse anybody. Don't extort people for money. Be honest. Have integrity. And you guys know that. You, uh, hopefully you've got that, that you should be honest, that you shouldn't steal, cheat, or lie. But he's, I like that last one because it's not, it's not something that is obvious. Be content with your wages. And here we're starting to get to where it is. We're starting to get to where the poor in spirit is. We're starting to get closer to it. It looks a lot like contentment. Not contentment if you're not working. Not contentment if you're not being diligent in what you do. But content with where you are, if you're applying God's principles and you are working, then you be content with your wages. Don't be jealous, envious of other people, and say, "Well, I if 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 that person wasn't rich, then I would be wealthier." That is a trap. That is the trap of envy. Money is not something that is. Let me just teach you a little political philosophy your money is not something that there's a finite amount of because someone is rich it does not mean that you have less of a chance of being rich it's not like we have cupcakes at youth and if scott eats 18 that means some of you aren't going to get any sorry scott i didn't know you wouldn't mind because scott can put down some food we all know that so it's not like you have to guard yours and say, if they get more, then I'm going to get less. That's not how money works. Because money grows as an economy grows. And if someone is wealthy, typically that means they're employing people, and that means that more people have money than just the person that started the business. So this lie that if someone is wealthy, then they need to give money to me so that I cannot be poor is a lie. Money, can, money grows exponentially as you work. It grows. So it is not, they are rich, and so therefore I cannot be. My boss, his boss, his boss owns the company. I have a job because he's wealthy. If he was some bum on the street, I would not have a job. I would not work for him. He started a company. He hired somebody. They hired more people. They grew. He gets more money and more money, and now they can afford 100 employees, and I'm one of them, and I'm thankful. And I get to work from home and I love my job and I have a wonderful boss. And all of that was possible because one man started a business and he is probably pretty wealthy. I don't know him, but he's probably pretty wealthy. And I'm thankful because he's wealthy, I have a job. Because he did not keep all his wealth. The The company brings in way more money than his salary and part of that money that they bring in goes to me and my family. It comes in because one so it's it is exponential growth. He is not he is not robbing me. I am because I apply this to my would I like to make more money? Yes. Would I like to triple my salary? Sure. Why not? Everybody would. Everybody would I guess you could say you'd want more money, but the Bible teaches me to be content. So I do not focus on what I do not have, but I focus on what I have and I am thankful for it. I am thankful for everything that God has blessed me with, and I want to work hard, and I don't... My mentality is, that man does not owe me anything. He gave me a job, and I owe him my best. I owe him my best, and I want to make my company as good as it can be, because that's what Christ teaches me to do. It's not, oh, he can afford it, so I'm not going to work very hard, or he's not paying me enough, so I'm not going to. No, it's somebody started a business, somebody took the investment, somebody probably took out a loan and got millions of dollars in debt to start the business, to buy all the computers, to rent the building, and they went out on a limb so that I could have a job, and I'm going to be thankful, and I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to say I am thankful to that man for what he's done, and his family, and his daughter is now the CEO, and I'm not going to begrudge her because she's wealthy. I'm going to be thankful that she keeps the doors open, that, that I have a place to work. You understand the shift in philosophy. Instead of saying, oh, the boss could afford to pay me more, when you don't know all the operating costs of the business, you just say, I'm thankful for my wages. I am content with what God has blessed me with. I am content for the place that God has put me. I, and let me just tell you my personal testimony. I prayed for a job. I needed a job. Uh, we didn't have a house, couldn't afford a house, couldn't get a loan. God, I need a job. And the Lord gave me that job. It was a miracle. I could feel it in my heart. It was a miracle. And I am thankful for it. And I do not think, and I, of course I would like to make more. I have everything that I need. My wife has everything that she needs. My daughter has everything that she needs. We have food in the refrigerator. We are able to pay our mortgage payment. We're able to keep the lights on. We're able to to not worry every day where our next meal is coming from. So I am content, and I am not going to begrudge him with envy in my eyes because that becomes sin in my heart, and then I could be not very rich and stop being poor in spirit, and then I fall into the category of a rich man. With very little money, I fall into the category of a rich man because I desire it, because I'm allowing that thing to become a sin in my life and I'm propping up the idol of my own income and the type of thick clothes that I wear and the type of car that I drive, and I, and I push that up and it becomes an idol in my life and then you are a rich person. You are wealthy. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not what? High minded. That they not make that an idol in their life. So, going forward, you need a job. And when you get a job, you're at the age where you're starting to get jobs. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And when you get one, you need to work hard at it. You need to be the best employee that they have, fervent in spirit not slothful in business, serving the Lord. That's how you serve the Lord, as unto him. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get even more radical. The Bible gets even more radical about contentment. This is our last, well, second to last scripture, and, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll be done. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, radical. I mean, this will blow your mind. It's how radical the Bible is about being content with where you are in life, Ephesians chapter number six, verses five through nine. Now you have to know a little bit of the backstory, and I've talked a little bit about this recently about servants and masters. That in when you would take out a loan in the uh, Bible, there was no bankruptcy. There was no if you got behind on a loan, you couldn't just walk away. And nowadays, bankruptcy doesn't it does a lot to hurt your financial, but it doesn't hurt your personal life that much. They, the, there's laws to protect people so that you they don't rob you of things that you need to live. There's you can declare bankruptcy, and it hurts your able to ability to get loans in the future, do, damages your credit. But there's laws to protect you. Well, the Bible had a similar system, and those laws were to protect people from not being able to live, and if you got indebted to someone, they loaned you money, and you could not repay it. Everything that you were, everything your person went into their home, into their estate, and you became their servant until the debt was paid. And so that's what this is talking about, servants, people that, first of all, employees, but it also could mean people that had to work in order to pay off their debt. It was like a form of biblical bankruptcy. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So even servants, the Bible does not say how dare they oppress you, how dare they, they have enough money, they don't need you to pay it back. No, you you borrowed it, the Bible says you owe it. No, I mean, I, the, I'm sure the mortgage company that owns the mortgage on my house has a lot of money, and I'm sure the little, because my house isn't very big, and the little bit of money that I owe is a drop in the bucket to this massive company. But the Bible does not allow me to say they have enough money, I'm going to stop paying my mortgage, and they should just give me the deed to my house, the title to my house, because they have plenty of money. I mean, they have a multi-billion-dollar company, and the little bit of thousands of dollars that I owe is a drop in the bucket, so whatever. no. I borrow the money, I, put my, I sign my name, I put my word to it, and so the Bible teaches that I owe them that money even though they're wealthy. Even though I'm sure the CEO of that company makes millions of dollars. They're wealthy, and I'm not. So I, they, No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Even if you are subservient, if you are underneath somebody, you should be obedient, you should do your best, you should work hard. Not with eye service. Now, look look at this word. Now, just think about Taco Bell employees that you've seen. Now, how many have ever worked at, at like, fast food place? Anybody? You've worked at a fast food place? No? How many of you have had a job yet? How many have had a job? Okay. Now, how many of you have seen someone on that job that, that is different when the boss is around than when the boss is not? Okay, that is exactly what eye service is. Look at that word. Not with eye service as men pleasers. This is not about you work hard when the boss is in eyesight. You are letting down the kingdom of God when you do that. I hope that was none of you that raised your hand. I hope you weren't talking about yourself. But not with eye service. You are not different when the boss is around. You do it with with diligence. You work hard. You don't. This, this is about being a consistent person. We're talking about practical aspects to not living in poverty as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. That is the will of God for your life is to work hard and to do it as the servants, not of the master, but as the servants of Christ. So you see your boss, and even in this case where you owe this person money. Now, we don't do this anymore, and I'm kind of glad that we don't, but that's the system that Paul is addressing. And he's saying, look, even if you are a Christian, Christ does not give you the power to overcome the debts that you have incurred. You have to do the work. Now that you're a Christian, you don't get to leave your boss. You don't get to leave the man that you owe money. You have to stay and you have to be obedient and you have to be diligent and not as eye service, not as men pleasers, not as somebody that fakes it, but somebody that's genuine, somebody that's sincere, somebody that works hard. That you do the will of God from the heart and God knows your heart. Next verse. We're almost done. With goodwill doing service as unto the Lord and not unto men. I already said that. As unto the Lord, not unto men. Verse number eight. Knowing that whosoever good whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond, talking about in debt to someone, or free. So so just imagine the controversy. We, the, the, the Christian faith is all about freedom and liberty. And somebody comes in and they are an indentured servant. They don't get paid for their work, they're, they're earning money that goes on a debt. Now, their master is charged, and you'll see the next verse that the masters do the same unto them forbear, don't threaten, don't beat, I mean, don't be mean, don't be cruel. Don't have respect unto persons. Treat people fair. So the Bible's not letting the masters off the hook. But can you imagine? It's all about freedom. It's all about liberty. And then you come and, and you, maybe you owe Brianna a bunch of money and you're Brianna's servant and she's not paying you. She's keeping tally on your debt and you're working off your debt. You come, you get the Holy Ghost. You're in church and the Apostle Paul, and you're like, I want to leave the, my boss. My boss isn't in church. I want to leave my boss. I, I, I don't I don't want to pay her back her debt anymore. And the the Apostle Paul looks at you and says, no, you're going to stay, you're going to be content. And not only that, you're going to work hard and you're going to do whatever she says. And you're going to do it not just when she's looking, you're going to do it all the time. So like the the shocking nature, I thought this was about liberty. No, this is about the heart doesn't elevate poverty doesn't elevate wealth it's wherever you are if you are applying these principles in your life whatever level of income you have as long as you are, keep the Lord above it God says I can bless you and this is where you this is this is where my blessing is for your life and then the last verse last verse is that we're going to read Matthew. we're going to go back to finish in Matthew chapter 6 verses 31 through 33. So our practical principles, you're responsible for providing for yourself. You're responsible for that. When you have a job, work hard at it. It's the will of God for your life to work hard at. Not when just when somebody's looking, not just to manipulate, not just but do it from the heart. And you know when you're doing a good job and when you're not. And so does God. Work hard at it. And if you, I mean, if, you, if you have that attitude, you're not going to want for anything. This is the will of God. It's the kingdom of God in your life is for you to work hard at whatever job you have, whatever job you get. Number three, be content with your station where you are. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous. That is a horrible look on people. And let me tell you, as a boss... If I knew that somebody was jealous or envious of someone else on the team, I, that would not endear me to that person. They would not be doing good work. You can tell when people are sincere, when they when they are thankful, and when they are focused, and that just makes you want to give them a raise. It makes you, it makes them more valuable to you. I'm just telling you. Make sure that your life is lived in such a way that God can bless it. Now look at this verse. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? Now this is not talking about people living their everyday life. This is talking about the disciples that Jesus sent out, and he sent them out without food, without provision, without a suitcase. But then he says this, and he switches it from the specific to the principle For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. God knows what you need. God knows that you need a place to live. God knows that you need clothes to put on. God knows that you need food to eat. God knows what you need. And verse number 33, and this is where we're going to conclude. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, And all these things shall be added unto you. Now this is not talking about being a monk. This is not talking about you're going to quit your job and read your Bible 24-7. Because we've already shown through Scripture where it is the will of God for you to provide for yourself. For you to show up to work with a good attitude, with a right heart. And if you do that, God will provide for your needs. And if you are content, you will not fall into that category of wealth that Keeps you out of the kingdom of God. But if you lose the contentment and you trust and you push and you get envious and you desire more. and it becomes an idol in your life. That's when it becomes a problem. But it's also a problem if you refuse to work. If you refuse to provide. If you refuse and you think people owe you. And you have a mentality. That's everybody owes me something. That becomes a problem. And then. You, it's not poor in spirit. It's a poverty mentality. And that's not the will of God for your life. It's not the will of God for your life. We've shown it in scripture. What the will of God. What it looks like. With The will of God at work. is for you to work hard. For you to be diligent. And I'm going I'm to share a quote that Sister Nikki found in a book that she's been reading. And... It was, spoke to, it was just coincidence, really, but it spoke directly to what my lesson was about today. So I'm going to share it with you. This is a book by Brother Eugene Wilson. He's an apostolic preacher. And he quotes a man named Wayne Dreyer. And the quote is, Being broke is a temporary state of affairs that afflicts almost everyone at one time or another. And this just echoes, there is no shame and sometimes running out of money and not having a lot and not and and having to shop at, at goodwill or whatever. there's no shame in that i mean there are times when me and sister i'm like we can't afford to buy any more stuff i mean there there it's it is there's this god does not elevate wealth to the fact that if you don't have a lot or you don't live in the nicest of houses that god is displeased with you that is a lie that is not true that is not true. God can still use you, God can still touch your life, and you can, and it's about your contentment. But here's what he goes on to say: that affects everyone one time or another. But being poor is an attitude, a set of beliefs that gets reinforced when we shift to blaming life circumstances for the condition of our poverty. And that just reflects all the verses that we have read. It shifts when it says, This is because everybody's against me. I have no agency. The, I don't, the, God's not helping me. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be invested in my own well being. That is a lie. To say that you're poor or you don't have because everything is against you. Because guess what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So even if that were true, which I don't think it is in most cases, in the natural world, maybe people do feel against you at some times, but if you are living for God, if He is on your side, you can do it. You can break the cycle in your life. So everybody in here, I'm not saying you're going to be wealthy. I'm not saying you're going to be rich. But if you apply the principles of God in your life everything will be provided for you. Everything will be provided for you. If you're willing to provide for yourself, to at least put in the time, put in the effort, work diligently, work hard, show up, keep a job, follow the will of God, have a right spirit, a right heart in your life. God says, I'm going to bless you. You don't have to stay awake at night and worry, am I going to be okay as an adult? Am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to be able to live? Am I If you are a Christian and you provide the good your life to God and say, God, use me, I'm going to do like you say in your word, God will bless you. God will bless you. You will have everything that you need. And because it's already built in to be content, guess what? You'll be happy. Because the Bible says for you to be happy. The Bible says for you to be content. I'm not content because I just am. Because everything is just peachy perfect in my life. I'm content because I look at what I have and the Bible demands that I put in the work and that I be content with the results. And so I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, for my paycheck. I'm not going to to think about how little it is or how much more I need. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, because you provided this and your word commands me to be content. And when you have that attitude, maybe God can trust you with more. And you say, you know what, all of this is on the line. God, you gave it to me, it's yours. If you want me to quit my job and you are and you really impress me upon that and you're going to provide a way for me to make a living, then okay. But I, I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to submit my life to you. And God might look down and say, okay, now I can trust you with a little more. doesn't always happen. But certainly to some, God says, I can trust you a little more. Because you may have a lot of money, but you're not putting it before me. You're not trusting in it. So I can trust you with it. But if he knows he can't trust you with it, the most merciful thing he can do is keep you without it. But if you seek God with all your heart, all your life, you'll be provided for. Does that make sense? Does anybody have any questions? about any of the verses that I read. Cuz the Bible does not contradict itself. Its message of poverty, is contentment. Be content. Do not let money be the idol of your life. Serve God and he'll make it to where You don't have to worry. You don't have to lay awake worrying about money. You will have what you- That makes sense to everybody? Let's bow our heads and we'll pray in dismissal. God, I love you. I thank you for this group. God, I pray that you would bless their life. I pray that you would help them, Lord, to take these principles, of hard work, good attitude, right spirit, and that they would apply it in their life. And, God, that you would help them, Lord, as they transition, God, from adolescence to adulthood. Lord, in their concerned, worried God, about careers and about getting into the right schools or getting the right job or right career. God, I pray that you would help them, God, to know that if they seek you first, that if they seek to do your will in their life, that you'll provide for them, that you'll provide everything that they need, and that you'll bless their life. I pray that you would help us all, God, to serve you better, to be faithful with our finances, so that we can be liberated to serve you with all our heart. God, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.